This episode is brought to you by Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for the hybrid workforce. Online at wellforce.ai. My email copywriters always create like the best memes for my email list, at, like for my weekly email. And so this one was about the girls who do stuff and they're, we were talking about the salt and pepper, like spice, whatever. It's really funny. I can forward you the email, but it's, it's a picture. It's a meme of three people dressed up as salt, pepper, and cumin. And that's why, you know. It's awesome. There was a study that was done that showed that people that look at memes are feeling better, which proves that we do studies about stupid stuff. <laughs> why do I got to be the shortest? Let's just be, we're going to be like that because you salty. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm the a, guy with a southern accent, like, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, here, I give, I actually, God, that's awesome, though. That was so it. good. I don't know where the fuck he pulled that out. But of. It, was it was good. It was good. It was very good. Way to go, Joe. He ran away, so we can't even start. I know. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> Please tell me you guys know we have a whole Pinterest page that I keep for things that make me laugh. Yeah. So when people are being rotten or I'm just feeling funky, I can just go there and it's just continuous laughter. Yep. I'm like, oh, that me I needed that. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I laughed out loud the other day watching Ted Lasso. Like I was laughing, like belly laughs. And I was like, yes, this is the best medicine ever. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's so true. They even say smiling can be like the quickest way to trick your body into releasing those feel-good hormones. Right. And it doesn't even have to be like a real smile. You're right. faking it. And I just think that's one of the coolest hacks. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I look like an awkward smile. I'm really trying to like make those feel good. Hormones. Right. So I'm producing <laughs> chemicals. I'm producing brain chemicals. Give me right. a second. I forwarded it to you so you can also be on the joke. <laughs> oh, funny. So there it is. That's awesome. Are we ready now, Jim? <laughs> oh, I've been recording. I just left the room. I'll press the button though. To be oh, as good, because you got your joke because that joke was so good. Yeah. Good. I, I thought about it all yesterday. <laughs> Safing it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Sarah Madras. And I am Jenny Midgley, and I am bitter about having to wear a dress and heels tonight. <laughs> well, so she's like bitter. I had space to party of one. Yes, pity party of one. Pity party of we one. I always start the episode with how we're feeling. Hello, I'm Sarah Madras. And <laughs> I'm feeling Jack Brand. She's Jack. She's all hyped up in the energy of the high energy. Oh, yes. Life. Yes, it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, I have to put on a bra. Oh, my God. Amazing food, free food, free drinks, fun dance. Oh, it's such a struggle. And, ta- and, and four-inch stilettos. I don't even know how I'm going to pull that off. <laughs> you can wear flats. You're allowed. You no, because to wear a form off. All right. So let me talk to you about short people problem. Formal dresses are too long for short people, which means we have to get all of them tailored. So right. if you're struggling to find a dress and you literally find one at the 11th hour, less than 24 hours before said event, and there's no time to go get it tailored, then you have to wear heels. I may or may not have been known to hem things using a stapler. 
Ooh. Well, and I can use the fashion tape, but like the dress that I ended up finding, it can't be hemmed. Like gotcha. it's not. Gotcha. It's not. It's whatever. It's fine. It. Le- Scott said it looks fabulous. I don't look pregnant, which was my issue with the other dresses and something didn't fit. Really. I literally, one of them I looked and I was like the way the light was hitting and I had Scott, Nicholas take pictures of me. Yeah. And I was like, fucking look pregnant. I don't want to go to a party and look. Pre- I don't want to be pregnant ever again. <laughs> I would like the universe to just redact my uterus <laughs> you can make that happen i yeah but they question you when they you do. try to make they that do. happen can it a redacting would just be easier it is now redacted Alrighty, i'm gonna sorry us back around i'm gonna swing us back around pity play one over so this is the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up as jenny just did i illustrated my courage to speak up today and tell a better story so what's the better story you're going to tell yourself jenny the better story that i'm going to tell myself is that i am um i will look fabulous and have a fabulous night and we have i have a babysitter and and I can either Uber, plus I had multiple people offer to drive me who also live in Apex, and I can, I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to be there to support you and cheer you on, and be grateful for the opportunity to wear a fancy dress and fancy heels. I don't know about you, but I think that story is way better. (laughs) I was like, Amy, you agree? I do. I do. I, I was going with, it's better than being naked. There it is. Low expectations yeah. means you're always winning. Yeah. And I'm not going to show up wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Even if it was a sequin t-shirt. I'll love you regardless. Like you wear whatever you want. And I'm still going to love you. I'm going to, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to be very visible in the pictures if I were to show up in jeans and a t-shirt. Correct. You would stand out. <laughs> and we want you to be the standout. It is your night, sister. Thank you. And today, this is Amy's episode. <laughs> we are not here to process Sarah and Jenny problems. We are here to record a podcast so that you, audience, feel like you have taken something away from the episode. You have, you have received value. You have received value. And today, we hope that you receive value from Amy Rubin. See what I did there? See what And Amy is a uh, teacher turned coach. And I met her on that big podcast pitch panel. Yep. Where uh, people were pitching to be on the girls who do stuff. And uh, we were very impressed with Amy and her story. So I'm going to let her take it away. Yeah. Tell us about how you. Thank you. First of all, and this was a uh, very exciting. The feeling is mutual. When I met Jenny at the big podcast pitch and it was uh, one of those things where they tell you the opportunity, but they don't necessarily tell you who your audience is going to be. And I had prepared talking about my mindfulness, academic mindfulness consulting business that I started after leaving the classroom and after hearing Jenny describe your podcast, I was like, oh my God, I want to be a part of this, but I have a much more like true, real, applicable story, which is my story at Manifestlets. And so when she was talking about the topics that you cover, and then once I did a little research and, and listened to some of your episodes, I was like, I want to redo everything, scrap what I did and share a little bit of the more raw kind of like real stuff. Yes. Down to how hard it is to be human. I I left the classroom after 17 years for basically two reasons. One, I was really tired of being told what to do that I didn't personally think in my professional and personal opinion was in the best interest of my students. Mm-hmm. And I had discovered a way to make learning 
and teaching more enjoyable. And so that was a big part of the reason they left the classroom. The other big part of leaving the classroom is because I needed more flexibility. My kids were growing and I wanted to be more involved in their events and school and life. And my dad was also diagnosed with end-stage liver cancer and given six months to live. And a big like desire I had that just innately came was, first of all, once I got over the, holy crap, this is happening, how yeah. can this happen, <laughs> was I just wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. And I um, realized as I cleared my schedule and took some time off of my full-time teaching job that here I was thinking going into, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get to spend time. We're going to do fun things and make memories and my boys will be able to remember him. And I remember the first day being like, this sucks. Like I am like so like busy planning and organizing and trying to fix, which is what my go-to, I don't want to feel shit ethically is. Yeah. And I was like, there has to be a better way. And so mindfulness was really the thing that kind of saved me and taught me how to be with the shit or yep. embrace the suck as well as the good and learning that we build up walls. We just do it as human beings, as a part of survival. But those same walls that protect us from pain and anticipatory grief that I was experiencing and all of those tough and uncomfortable emotions, they also keep out the positive and comfortable yep. emotions like enjoyment and presence and whatever. And so leaving the classroom kind of served those two purposes for me. And allowed me to bring mindfulness or what I call an, a mindful approach to education, which isn't changing what we do because we already do a lot, mm -hmm. simply changing how we do the things we're already doing. And then he was, by being able to spend time with him, luckily we were able to turn his six-month prognosis into four years of living. Wow. It was a gift for him, it was a gift for me. It was a gift for my entire family, for both of my boys who were extremely close with him. And it was really, we learned so much through the process. But after we lost him and after he lost his battle as a human, as someone who was super close with him, I realized how much I had like just set to the side because I just didn't have the wherewithal to process all of that stuff. But the one thing that stuck with me is that this was like so much suffering that we had endured that I watched and witnessed him endure. And if it was all for naught, then it just was suffering and it just was sucky. And there had to be a bigger purpose. There had to be some meaning to it, which is basically where manifestless came to be. And so Manifest Let's Just in the Short story started off as what we call intention and diffuser products. It started off as a way of being able to have whatever I needed to go out into the world. Just like I put on my underwear, I needed to a way that I knew that I had with me, whatever it was, whether it was strength, whether it was courage, whether it was just the not give an F so that I had it. And we created this design of bracelets that have this manifesting barrel, which allows you to write your hope, your wish, your goal, your dream, whatever, and you roll it up and you slip it inside of the barrel so that you carry it with you no matter where you go. Did you know that I have that bracelet? No, you do not. I swear to God, and I've gifted it to my bestie as a gift. Yeah. I was not even aware that this was a thing. Like, I was only on the awareness of the academic coaching mindful, right? Like, like mindfulness for educators. Right. 
because that was what she picked. So I was like, wait a minute, the bracelet I had, you made? <laughs> that's what I knew. I was like, that's yours? You designed, you created that bracelet that I have bought at Mindful Grit. My friend from back in high school, she sells that at Mindful Grit. And I was like, I must have this and bought it from her. That is fantastic. Oh, Katie, Obviously. send Katie a thank you. <laughs> Mindful Grit. <laughs> That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And in the initial, it really was a it solved a problem for me. I was still trying to function as normal. Meanwhile, I had encountered a lot of non-normal experiences, right? For sure. About that process and literally witnessing my dad die in hospice for 14 days. And it really took a toll, like not just on me emotionally and physically, but also mentally. And soon after my dad had passed away, Sadly, my mom got like terribly sick as a result of being his caregiver round the clock for a number of months and everything like that as he progressively got worse. Mm -hmm. And here she was in the hospital being seen by infectious disease doctors trying to figure out what the heck was the matter with her. And here I was once again rushing to the hospital to be there with my other parents. And the one day I'm rushing out of the house and I can't find this little charm that I had gifted to my dad when he was originally diagnosed as a symbol of hard work and togetherness and hide and we're in this together and that he used to keep by his like TV side table where he'd always sit. And when he went into hospice, I grabbed that and I was carrying it every day in my pocket. Two, three weeks later, here I am at the hospital with my mom and I can't find my stinking bee charm. And I about lost my mind. Yep. I needed my bee charm. Yes. I feel all of that. Oh. Yeah. So I found it, of course, after 20 minutes, which felt like eternity, finally crawling on my hands and knees. It was in a pocket that got hung up in a pair of pants that had then fallen to the bottom floor of my closet. And as I got to the hospital, like Harry Carey, I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way that just I know where to find my undergarments to get dressed. I can find what I need so that I can go into the world with whatever that is. And it changes on the daily, as mm -hmm. you probably know from using your bracelet from Mindful Grit. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that has been, it was transformational for me. It solved a problem for me. And the more that I share it with others, the more that I promote it, the more that I do live events, the more that I realize that other people need this as well. So it's really been an amazing opportunity to be able to, to share his story and to honor his legacy. Not only was it a kind of cathartic healing process, not just for me, but also for my kids who would come and do these events with me and tell their own stories. Yeah. Manifestlets, which was really awesome. But it also gave people the opportunity to open up and share their struggles and the things that they need support with. And the hope that sometimes is just so lacking in our world to know that one, you're not alone, but two, like you can get through this. Yep. 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 I love it. I love it. And what's so interesting is that when I got mine and got Tori hers, we wrote in it, rolled it up and done hers that she wrote in there manifested and came to life. And mine, what I wrote in there manifested and came to mm -hmm. life. And they weren't like, I want to get a haircut. Like they were big, hairy, scary, audacious, awesome, amazing dreams that we were like, okay, we're going to be co-creators and manifest this with the universe. It's pretty awesome. So yeah, and I, and I want to. So I'm on the website for manifest. Let's 
And the I saw it on there. It says for every online manifest that's sold, one is gifted to someone in need. So how does that work? Yeah, through doing like a lot of the different live events, as well as our online sales, we typically after events will tally up how many we actually were able to sell and then give them. And so in the beginning, it was really easy to give them to people. But as time has gone on, we have interacted with our audience and given them an opportunity to share stories or potential people that they think would benefit from a manifestlet. And it's been everyone from teachers to caregivers to people themselves who are struggling with terminal illnesses or setbacks, students as well. And it's really like amazing. I like to call it almost like a passion project because it's something that really fills us and makes us feel good. There have even been times where like my own children have come home from school and recognize that there are certain kids that they know of who are going through tough times or are always trying to pick other people up and that they would love to gift one to them. So it really allows us to to give back and to recognize that we're not alone. And it allows us too to allow those people to write a little note or I'll summarize it for them and they can just give me the gist so that we include that in the packaging so that they not only know that they're receiving a gift and who it's from, but maybe a little, a saying or a little quote as to why. Yeah, that's Um, that's, And sometimes people will tell me that's the thing that they keep the most, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's totally nice. I love it. We want to just make sure that people understand what we're saying because Sarah and I are like, I didn't understand what you were saying. Did you understand what I was saying? (laughs) It's uh, manifest lets, L-E-T-S. So manifest, the word manifest. Grace Like grace lets, but manifest lets. That's super, I like that. super cute. Once (laughs) you brought it up, then I was like, oh, that's what she's saying because I couldn't (laughs) grasp it. I'm like, manifest what? Less, less, I, I thought, I, yeah. So thank, thank you. you to Google. <laughs> yes, yes. For bringing it to light. And now I'm like, that makes complete sense. Right. I'll bring out. Let's. Let's. I love it. Have coffee today? I've had zero. Ah, that explains a lot. <laughs> she doesn't need coffee today. It's really, really. So when you left the classroom and that level of burnout and, and all this, my sister has been a teacher since 1986 when she graduated from college. I know, like it's bananas to think about that she's been in the classroom and she's been in the classroom for that long. And it has not been easy for her the whole time. But I think one of the things that kind of kept her moving through was the passion for what she was doing, the maneuvering within the school system so that she went from, you know, third grade to kindergarten to reading initiatives to different programs to running the tutoring program. And but she's also lived through all of the different changes in curriculums and all of those things. So help me and help our listeners understand, paint the picture of your journey as you came to your decision to leave the classroom. Because I think that, like, I can illustrate Gay's story as like uh, she found ways to cope and still stay in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Other people find ways to cope and leave the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same way that we left the bedside social work, the, the the armchair social work to go off and do other things because it just was not working anymore. No right? longer expansive. Yeah, yeah. And like I do, I, and I love the story about the manifestlets, but I also want to hear about. In the mindfulness, yeah. I want to dive more into that too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
college. Yeah, I went to college to become an educator, as you have to do, obviously. And I was fortunate enough to receive my master's degree during my undergraduate time. So I literally left school, like ready to hit the ground running. I knew that I wanted to be an educator. I knew I wanted to be an elementary school educator. That was just something that really spoke to me. And I think a big part of that was because of the fact that as an elementary school student, I really did not like school. And it wasn't because I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't capable enough. It was because of the fact that I didn't feel like I had the support. I didn't feel as though I looked forward to going to school because it wasn't fun. And so a big part of my reason for becoming a teacher was that I really wanted to change the learning experience for my students. And I wanted them to feel as though our classroom was a place that not only was a place that they could look forward to coming and learning and taking risks, but also a community that embraced them to come as they, and there's this expectation that school is about learning, but it's really about learning how to become a better human as far as I'm concerned. And as an elementary school teacher, teaching everything from kindergarten to fifth grade, when people used to say, what do you teach? I would simply say, I teach everything, right? Because we're not just teaching reading, writing, and math. We're also teaching social skills and how to problem solve and how to work together with other people and how to have disagreements and how to advocate for yourself, as well as how to tie your shoe and organize your notebook. And over time, those were the things that I loved the most about my job. But I would say that probably around somewhere in the mid 2010, 2000, to 2015, 16, we were seeing a big push on the different types of assessments that we were being forced to give our students so that our school districts could receive the money from the state. I've reached a point where I felt this conflict. I felt this conflict of doing what was in the best interest of my students and doing what I was being forced to do. And I felt like there was this disconnect as well as this like lack of trust in us as professionals. And we weren't being consulted as to what was in their best interest. Because so, I mean, why I would really they start insulting of like struggle? Front lines. Right? The, like the lack of awareness to get buy-in to policy <laughs> and, and changes. And, and this is in so many different industries, right? right. right? And even the ones that like say they do it and it's all just an exercise so that they can Give say they do it and yeah. it's just there's no transparency i saw this all the time in in hospitals because they would do these things and then be like oh that doesn't work and we'd be like you never talk to us mm-hmm. we're the people who have to use the program right you're on the and front you're line. making changes right. to yeah. things that like that don't literally don't work Sometimes you have those experiences where somebody comes in and at the very top level, they're like, this is just fucking stupid. We're going to go to like standard content and this is just how it's going to be. We don't care that we spent millions of dollars on this one project. We're going to do it right. And moving forward, we're going to get buy-in and we're going to do those things. And then there's other people that like they just keep recreating the same wheel of making this destruction. Mm -hmm. I love when you said you teach everything because I was like, what you're actually teaching is you're teaching kids to love learning. And that lasts forever. And I feel like that's what we don't have. And I noticed it, especially in my seven-year-old, where he, I said to him, I said, baby, what happened? Because you used to love school. And he was like, that's when it was fun. And he's, it's not fun anymore. And the only thing he has to compare it to is COVID. Because he was in preschool, then he got, what, three, four months of kindergarten, and then COVID hit, and he went to virtual. And so... I get where he's coming from of, yeah, it used to be fun, 
and then it sucked. And so I like his frame of reference is more that it's not fun and sucking and I'm sitting at a computer waiting for nine hours to do worksheets on end. That's the majority of his frame of reference because of everything that happened. So it's interesting yeah. to see if we just need to focus on teaching kids to love learning. Yes. So that's a huge, big piece. And that's the thing that I feel like to me is the most important gift that I could give to my students. This level of acceptance that we all have tough times. We all get distracted. We all have problems that we have to work through. But the bottom line is my goal was always to, in education, we call it unlearning right? Or unschooling. And that was always something I was really cognizant of. And now as a parent that I feel like that's when my mama bear comes out because how dare you, don't you dare affect my child's love of learning. And so as like an advocate for parents too, because sometimes there are parents that think that just because it's a rule in school that it has to be followed. I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with teachers who were giving my kids homework that was purposely mindless and I was like yeah we're not doing this doesn't work for us she's already so like we spent we actually when we did when we did Nicholas's six-month check and and because we do July and and January and when we did a six-month check the doctor the pediatrician was like how are you know how are things he's he's ADHD and he comes by it very honestly and we're very open and and talk about it but or and so we were like it it was 2020 what do you want me to tell and then we were like in school for three months. I don't know what to say. But like he struggled with his second half year teacher because we did virtual. If we had stayed virtually, we would have had the same teacher all year. But we decided to go back in person for second semester. And then that was a shit show. And he had this other teacher and he and the other teacher just didn't fit. And I don't know what the issue was, but they just didn't fit. And so we spent a lot of time talking about giving giving people grace and compassion and understanding our own reactivity and doing all of those things. And our pediatrician was like, let's see if we can focus on academic readiness for middle school this year. And if you have any struggles with it. And I'm like, we're focusing on emotional readiness. Yeah, no, but that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, we got the, we have the emotional. It sounds like you have a good handle on that. But, oh, gotcha, you know, gotcha. it's going to be in middle school next year. So let's see if we can't, fo- and whatever I can do to support you. And I was like, where were you when I was in fifth grade? Like, right. where was it? Because there is so much like old school kind of mindset around that, like, we talk about that all the time at home. As Sarah knows my thoughts on dress code policies, and I like am just waiting for the day to go march on the school board office. I love that she's like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to be doing yeah, that. We're not going to be doing that. It, it, it's so interesting because yeah. that's totally something. Oh, like we're right now, it's this beautiful thing of they don't have hours and hours of, on end yeah. of homework. And I'm like, but it's here's the catch. Matt and I are, should we be emailing the teacher? Are we like, we're, because it's different. We're usually they just shove like worksheets at them. And so I'm like, no, don't say anything, Matthew. Do not reach out to the teacher because it means that their right. mindset and, of yeah. homework is for practicing and, and taking whatever from school and learning it and really ingraining it into yeah. your phone. Yep. And I was like, he has proven that he can solve that problem and four problems. We're done. Yeah. I'm grateful for COVID for doing that, because I think that if anything, it showed that we can demonstrate retention and regurgitation without hours of homework. To really, truly show understanding of a concept is a different level than just regurgitation. So, And it's the same thing. Our homework is like 
uh, uh, 10 minutes on a worksheet and 20 or 30 minutes of reading a night. And I'm right. like, Gun. winning. Yes. Yes. Winning. So Absolutely. grateful for all of that. I don't know. And no more homework in kindergarten. What? I was so excited about that. We have no homework in kindergarten either. That's awesome. Yay. 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 And as an educator, I felt like I was always very pragmatic and maybe a little bit ahead of my time, but I value our time that we have Mm -hmm. and I'd rather be it spent on doing meaningful things and things that kids are engaged in. And I've often found that like when I would take a stand and say, I'm not, it's not that I don't support homework. I just also feel as though we have a long school day and by the time they go home, I think the greatest thing for them is to be able to play and have fun and relax and have family time, not spend more time doing work. And parents were sometimes the ones who would fight me on that and be like, I think my kids need homework. And when I'd ask them why, most of them would say, because I had homework. Yeah. It's like the archaic residency model that like, why should residents stay awake for 36 hours before they perform surgery? And it's they've done it for 60 years that way. We're like, really? Right. That mindset (laughs) is the most frustrating thing. And I also can't stand the whole, well, because we've always done it this way. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we're the disruptors, right? So those of us that are are that challenge, we're the disruptors to that, right? Like we're the ones that are here to say, I am here to say homework is an unnecessary, routinized kind of archaic thing thing if it's not like you can use homework effectively right go home and talk to your parents go through your recycle bin and make sure everything in the recycling bin is labeled the right number go look on the website for the recycling center and see what number there are ways that you can put it into practical application i don't know where that example but it's no but that's right like without yeah. learning about like the ecosystem and environment yeah, and things like you. that like there's not there's a science lesson there i got you. or go home and see like we're in north carolina there are a ton of lizards and frogs and little right. creatures in your backyard go see if you can find one if you have a backyard for these postage stamp lawns but i think that there's there's room for kids to learn critical thinking and do things differently yeah one of the things that and i love what you're saying like we are the disruptors that are just because it's been that way the whole time doesn't mean it has to be and for me that big one is my husband's very much uh you do what the adult says, but, and I'm like, no, that's not what we do here. <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't matter their position. There is no position of power. I'm like, so sorry, that teacher does not have a position of power over you. I was like, we are respectful to all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All I human. Right. I was like, because regardless, well, because I'm your mother and I said so. In my house. right, but we we respect <laughs> and usually they laugh at of all humans, regardless of status or label or where they are in the hierarchy. Because I don't right. believe in that bullshit. And I'm like, no, no, no. If the teacher is asking you to do your assignment and it's not like unethical, it's not harming anybody, right? Then yeah, dude, just do your assignment. But if we, when we say to kids or to humans, and we drill into them since they are children of listen to the authority figures yeah don't ask questions they you be respectful and you like it's respectful to be curious and ask questions yeah but we're when we have that kind of model but it's the way that you have it's helping them understand the appropriate communication ways to get their i'm not doing that worksheet 
That exactly. would obviously be that, rude. That's rude. To that would that. be yeah. rude to any human. But that, expl- that explains also why when we're like, because we're your parents and we say so, they just laugh at us. Right. Exactly. Because we have already instilled in them. There's no- <laughs> Correct. Like we're all, we are all responsible humans that need to take accountability for our own spaces and that Correct. work in a community and we're going to live in a community. We all have responsibilities and that's yeah. why you have to empty the fucking dishwasher. So go do it. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Because we're in, in my household, we have the mantra, we are helpful not hurtful. Yes, I exactly. And I say that can be applied to everything. Yeah, yeah. I say that a lot about words. Is it helpful or hurtful? Because yeah. if it's yeah. not helpful, then it's hurtful and get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. usually in relationship to the 10 year old trying to parent his sister. And I'm like, yeah, go away. Yes, that's so funny. You are not helpful. You are hurtful right now. Get the fuck out. Yes, that's so funny. But also, like, kids are savvy and they are, you know, feeling beings as well. Oh, yes. I always say I've yet to meet a student I can't reach. And I think that's because I value them as a person and they feel that, right? Yes. And that respect is a two-way street. Oftentimes, like, we use mindfulness to help with, like, behavior modifications and students who struggle with different types of attention deficits, but also impulsivity. And when they realize that they have a voice and that you actually care and you're listening um, and to that it. you're not doing this. Yeah, yeah. Totally transforms the entire student. Like I spend a lot of my time working with special education students, working with students who have like behavioral disorders or in those classrooms. And mindfulness not only helps us to work Work on that self-regulation and emotional regulation, it also helps us to grow our focus and attention, but it also helps us to grow our awareness, which I think is something that's one of the frameworks or one of the components of social and emotional learning, right? It's not just self-awareness, it's also social awareness and helping students. And here's my big thing with mindfulness is helping them to understand that emotions are really our signs. They're trying to tell us something. And so if we listen to them, we can figure out what we need to do. I grew up as someone who being happy was good and being sad was bad. And so I didn't want to be bad. So I didn't want to feel sad. So what did I do? I stuffed it. I pretended like it didn't exist until all of a sudden, as a child, it was always that straw that broke the camel's back. And all of a sudden I was like flipping out because literally I spilled the milk or my sister had my clothes and didn't ask me. And so realizing and helping them to understand one, you know, what happens in our brain and how we're hardwired as humans, whether you're five or 105, but then also helping them to have that awareness of what this starts to feel like. What does anger feel like in my body? Where do I feel it? What are the signs my body's giving me? What does you know, anxiety, what does worry feel yeah. like in our body? Right? It's coming, right? And because like, feelings are neither good nor bad. They just are. Yeah. I'm rolling my eyes and say, we're she's on, she's she's on team Penny for that. She, and we're all on it. She's just, I that. hear it every week. <laughs> 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 just because we hear it, though. Just because we hear it. Sometimes we need to hear it the 957th time before it's like, oh, light bulb. I know, but she's every episode, Jenny, really. Every episode, you have to work it in. And I do. I love it, though. Like, she's our people so She much, is our people. So much. So much. All right. <laughs> Amy, other than at Manifest Let's, L-E-T-S, 
www.myshopify.com. Where else can we find you? I am on social media, pretty much every platform you can find me. Um, on Instagram, I am at Manifestlets, as well as on Facebook, I am just Amy Rubin. And that's where I sell a lot of my Manifestlets as well. For Mindful Self, I do have a website, which is mindfulself.com. It's Mindful Self with two Fs at the end. Because yeah, so tell me how many times I said that email wrong. Ask me. Actually, ask me how many times I said that wrong. It's an acronym for it's for social emotional learning for friends and families. Love with it. a mindful twist. Yes, and I'm also on Twitter at Mindful Self. I'm also on LinkedIn at Mindful Self, and I also have a few pages on Facebook as well, or at Mindful Self as well as um, Infusing Mindfulness. So a few different groups and lots of different places wow. that you can find me. I know. Thank you so much for being here today, Amy. We greatly appreciate you. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do, do you, you boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.